Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade. We're no longer at Mike's house. We, uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate you having us over. We had a lovely time. We recorded with Pastor Borderland and Pastor Dave Meyer um, at Mike's house. He was a bachelor for that week. Uh, it was spring break for his kids and family went down south, huh? Florida. And Mike was very, I know you got oil changes done, was very productive around the house. Yeah, I I wrote like uh, about 20 pages of a book that I'm working on. Nice. But he did take time to invite John and Dave and I over, um, and we recorded on The Means of Grace. So if you haven't listened to that, that came out Tuesday of this week. Hopefully I get this out this weekend. You should go back and give that a listen. Um, But now we got the equipment. We are back in the podcast studio, and we are going to record a, a winging it session. I usually try to get these out on Wednesday or Thursday, but uh, it's a busy time of the semester right now. Um, papers are coming in. Holy Week is here. Um, it it so you should be impressed, listeners, that we're still getting you two things out in a week. Yeah. There's in the past. There's times we would just be gone for a month. Yeah. But we're soldiering on. Yeah. And it doesn't help that um, instead of April sunshine, we're having late November cold rain and drizzling. And I am, I'm still driving to volleyball. And uh, now I got baseball going mm-hmm. for Zig. You got kids and stuff. It's a f- Jason, I don't know. Does he still work here? I don't even know that. Does he even have a family that he has to take care of? The um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I know I see him when there's snacks. <laughs> um it's, it's kind of funny because this, this is a fun time in the sports calendar, right? Mm-hmm. you got Masters. you got Tigers Hockey losing and right basketball now. are still there. Baseball's coming up, draft or whatever. But on the flip side, as a, as a parent, this is you're getting going with spring sports. Mm-hmm. There maybe is a prom or a confirmation yep. or I a graduation. I got a kid who's got to pick a college yeah. now. you gotta, you got to start getting stuff ready outside. Confirmation. Yeah. So it's uh, it is kind of a crazy time, but, but we're gonna get this out this weekend, yeah. hopefully. Still, so that's better than nothing. And <clears throat> we're in the Luther series still. But you you'll notice instead of life of Luther, I subtly changed it to life after Luther. Oh, nice. <clears throat> and we're wrapping up the Luther series with um, some sessions looking at the time from Luther's death to the formula of Concord. Formula of Concord, the sixth and final Lutheran confession. <clears throat> Um, it grounds out the Book of Concord. Um, Concord meaning peace, right? This confession brings peace within the church <clears throat> in unity, even as it then divides. It provides distinctives from uh, the other confessions that had arisen. And uh, and so this is going to be 1577, 1580. These things will come together. <clears throat> so we're going to get a few of those controversies. We're using as, a, as an outline um, my book, an Uncompromising Gospel, Lutheranism's First Identity Crisis, and Lessons for Today, which is put out by 1517. <clears throat> um, if you want to follow along with that, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it from the 1517 bookstore. Go to 1517.org. You'll find <clears throat> plenty of stuff there. Um, but uh, we're going to flip the order a little bit today. <clears throat> and so rather than doing the synergistic controversy, which I have next, we're going to go... And I have it ranged that the way I do in the book because I start with the Heidelberg Disputation and bondage of the will. So um, jumping right to the will and then rounding out with gotcha. original sin made sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about the majoristic controversy today. 
And so if we can just briefly set the stage for that, we talked a little bit about the adiaphoristic controversy last time. So if you go back and listen, hopefully that'll be helpful. But Luther's died. Um, right after Luther's death, uh, kind of everything goes to a H-E double hockey sticks mm-hmm. in a handbasket. And uh, how is that? What happens, Michael? I'm sorry, League. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. You said, uh-huh. <laughs> I, that's what I do when I'm not paying attention. After Luther's death, everything goes to H-E, double, double hockey, hockey sticks, sticks in a handbasket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's some of the stuff that, that brings this about? Well, you're going to have, uh, the, the emperor is finally going to actually enter some of these territories. Um, you're going to have, um, you're going to have some infighting politically uh, within the the so-called Lutheran territories, um, you have um, a little bit of a Judas, mm-hmm. right? Who's gonna, Judas Meissen. Yeah, who is going to, um, Moritz is going to basically uh, turn his back. He's going to go back, flat, fl- he's a flip-flopper, is what we're going to say. Uh, John Frederick loses his title, elector. Um, people are going to uh, have to flee Wittenberg, including Katie, she's going to be a refugee. Um, after this, it's going to be, you know, this is going to be after the formula of conquered the dates that you just said, but it's going to be full scale war for yep. 30 years, mm-hmm. 1618 to 1648, uh, known as the 30 years war. Yeah. Right. Um, but you have <clears throat> Melanchthon maybe is not the strongest personality and kind of is still trying to maybe see if there is going to be some sort of agreement between, uh, an official, uh, uh, council with the Roman Catholic Church, and so he's always he's always fiddling a little bit with uh, with the, with the Augsburg Confession. So things are in disarray, and then you have these uh, characters that are going to come up, and you know I, it's not like any of these questions, like George Major. It's not like his question is not is is way out of line. I mean, this is a serious question. But if Luther's still alive, there probably would have been a sarcastic squashing mm-hmm. of this. Yep, yep. Right? And that's not always helpful either. So now it's it has to it's gonna be right, dragged because out. Because that little, lets it fester, fester underneath yeah. and then So it's gonna drag out. So if if George Major during Luther's life, similar to Agricola, would you say, John Agricola and that and his issues with, right, with long Luther good works. And- um that is one of Luther's maybe lower moments of how he treats a, a friend and a colleague. Um, so this is going to be on the flip side of Luther and we get uh, major and that's the idea of good works. So some of the questions about good works are, are they necessary for salvation? Yeah. Or um, are they necessary at all? Yeah. In fact, if we preach towards good works, are we doing something that is actually heterodox then since we are freed from the gospel? These are actually questions that they are said in a different way, but these are a lot of the questions we get as professors and pastors. Yep. Right. And they get debated in, in a church body still today. So when the emperor invades and um, the Judas of Meissen, as we said, Duke Moritz of Saxony, gets his cousin's electoral title now. He was Ducal Saxony. Now he has the electoral title um, for siding with the emperor. <clears throat> Magdeburg is put under siege, and that's where a number of the Gnasio Lutherans, as they t- come, come to be called. Authentic Lutherans. Yeah, genuine Lutherans are holed up and um, resisting and publishing, publishing, publishing. Nicholas Amsdorf, um, 
Nicholas Nic- uh, uh, Galus, um, Matthias Flacius or Flacius, Illyricus, um, a lot of important people there. They are going to um, be very upset with how Wittenberg handled things because um, the emperor had put forward what was called the Augsburg Interim, which was basically meant to start moving Lutheranism back into Roman Catholicism with concessions on like the marriage of priests and communion of both kinds, which are um, incidental issues to the Reformation. Um, and not a very good article on justification. Moritz puts his Wittenbergers, his new faculty, to work on what is called the Leipzig Proposal, which is supposed to be less compromising than the Augsburg Interim, but somewhat compromising. And uh, the Magdeburgers call this the Leipzig Interim to associate it with Augsburg. The Wittenbergers claim they only compromised on adiaphora, things neither commanded nor forbidden in the scriptures, um, or in German, Middeldingen, indifferent things, gray areas. And uh, the Magdeburgers are going to say, and the formula of Concord will agree with them, that in a time of controversy, nothing, or a time when confession is necessary. Statu confessionis. Yeah, nothing is a uh, is an adiaphron. Um because these things take on a bunch of extra meaning. So um, these things were meant to import Roman Catholicism into these Lutheran lands. That's why that was called the adiaphoristic controversy. As part of the Leipzig proposal, you had wording in doctrinal articles that was not, that was not ideal, um, would be the nicest way to put it, or that was downright ambiguous would be a middle way to put it, or that was um, just wrong um, would be the harshest way to put it. Some of them who participated or who were um, students of those who did, and many of the Gnasio Lutherans were students of Melanchthon, by the way, um, defend the language of the Leipzig proposal or defend language of Melanchthon um, that maybe wasn't even in the Leipzig proposal, but had been tossed about since then. And uh, they will be called Philippus. Let's be fair to Melanchthon. Melanchthon risks a lot for the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Melanchthon, phenomenal teacher. Um, one of the, some of the most clear articulations of Lutheran teachings are found in Melanchthon. Um, and, Melanchthon not, and not found in Luther. Right, Yeah. Never asked to be the face of the Reformation. Never asked to be its head. Not his personality. Right. Um, so, one of the things in talking about good works that um, Melanchthon had said, I can't remember the year of the Lotzi, but um, that Major sees is on, is the nature of good works. Melanchthon later said, yeah, we shouldn't say this. This isn't the best way to put it after all. It didn't really lead to a lot of controversy when Melanchthon had articulated it. But Major's going to put it out there in attempting to defend Leipzig. Good works are necessary. So far, that's not terrible. For salvation. Mm -hmm. And to be fair to him, um, Major's going to be thinking in ter- Aristotelian terms, material cause, formal cause, efficient cause, blah, blah, blah. We'll save that for another episode. Um, 
just as to be fair to Melanchthon, when we get to three causes of salvation, and Melanchthon puts the will in there, he's not putting it in there nearly as coarsely as it's sometimes presented as him doing. He's again thinking in Aristotelian terms as his God is working through yeah. this. And just the word cause in English, <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we think of it as a... You know, cause and effect. Right. This, this billiard ball hits mm-hmm. this billiard ball. This, you know, but when, when Aristotle's using it, it's a little bit, there's those no don't all mean that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sometimes it's just the thing. Sometimes it's just the, 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 it's way to describe the billiards the ball. Yeah. The way to describe yeah, and the, the billiards thing. ball doesn't have any power in yeah. it. How do you explain the But thing? it's not indifferent yeah. when yeah. it gets collided. <clears throat> um, so, um, all right. Good works are necessary for salvation. He's not saying that we're not saved by grace through faith alone. But the camel's nose is in the tent. Mm-hmm. And um, even like some of Major's friends are going to be like, dude, just let it go. Mm-hmm. To Major's credit, he is pretty quickly going to not want to fight this fight anymore. To his discredit, he's going to refuse to outright repudiate his language. Mm-hmm. Um, someone I know does the same thing later regarding original sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Someone who I study and yeah. respect. Flacius yeah. will do the same thing. Yeah. Um, and he's going to draw criticism from um, various areas, but especially from those who were already suspicious of Wittenberg for its failure to, um, in their view, show more backbone during the adiaphoristic controversy um, and say, see, look at all that's festering there. And now it's, it's bubbling up. And they feel betrayed because for a number of them, this is their alma mater. There's a lot of Wittenbergers fighting. <clears throat> They're just not all in Wittenberg anymore. Um, friends of Luther or students of Luther, friends of Melanchthon or students of Melanchthon. Um, and so you get this fight. Are good works necessary for salvation? Major appears to be, right, he, th- he thinks he's basically saying something like James says, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the Gnasio Lutherans were pretty good at doing, they, they could make mistakes. But, and even Amsdorf, for instance, um, will err in this. Um, he will respond, good works are detrimental to salvation. <laughs> now, Amsdorf is channeling Luther there, <laughs> just as Flacius channels Luther on original sin. But when phil- philosophical categories or things get um, brought in, more nuance is required. <clears throat> Um, Amsdorf, I'm going to throw it to you just one. Sure. Amsdorf, by that means, what Luther is basically saying in the Heidelberg Disputation, when good works can be mortal sins if they're done apart from faith yeah. and from merit. Um, but we can see how it can be misunderstood. But what Amsdorf is picking up on in the other Gnasio Lutherans is that while Major could maybe make an academic argument to make his statement somewhat um, uh, um, uh, acceptable, that's not how it's going to play in the pews. Mm-hmm. So that it, it won't play pastorally. Yeah. Now I thought you Okay. So I'd like to come back to you about, tell me about, okay, Aristotelian categories and, and the nuance behind this. Uh, let me simplify it, I think, for, for our listeners. Can I say that good works are necessary for salvation? In this sense, yes. That a person who is made righteous, that is saved, as St. Paul says, is going to do righteous things. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, followed by 10. Yeah. 
Romans 6 and 7 too. It's just good works are going to come from the sanctified soul. It's just going to be there. So if I look at something and I say, this is what salvation looks like. A sinner redeemed, now made righteous, and lives this type of life. That package is what what we're talking about as a redemptive, saved person. If I would take away good works, then I would say, is that, I mean, that, that's not the full package. So can I say it's necessary? And what you're, what, just to make sure I understand what Michael's saying so we don't get rebuked here. Mm-hmm. Michael's not saying salvation, the whole package, no. but the, the Christian person, <clears throat> the redeemed person, you're going to have all these things. Salvation is, is caught up in I'm saved, I'm now bound mm-hmm. for heaven, but the redeemed individual, Paul is going to, right, this is flesh versus spirit, yeah. this is part of the Christian life is the Christian life, sorry. And, and so, Is that fair? Yes. So <clears throat> the sanctification in narrow sense, good works that I do, the cause of that is justification, not my will, not anything else. Mm-hmm. But it is a necessary cause in the sense that it's always going to happen. Right. Right. A good tree produces good fruit. It's not a good tree if it doesn't have good fruits. Right. So. Um, but don't cut it down yet. Give it a season. Let me no. dig around it and fertilize no. it. I'm not going to say. They're the fig tree thing. Yeah. So if I use the word necessary to say that's the case that it's going to be. Yes. If you start using the word cause and necessary in the sense that unless you have good works, you cannot be saved, that's where we're going to draw the line. So can you understand that uh, good works are necessary? Sure. But you better explain that. Yeah. Right? And and like Bob Kolb argues, for instance, had this happened in not such a partisan and tense environment, and you kind of hit on Luther maybe shuts it down sarcastically, but... But otherwise, even if it had just happened at the academy in a less polarized environment, that discussion gets gets had, and it's, okay, let's not say it that way, but okay, yeah, we get yeah. it. But it doesn't happen there. But yeah. yeah, keep going. And it's probably maybe good that it does blow up because then we're forced to think about this. <laughs> right. right. We're talking For posterity. About, we're talking about it 500 years later mm-hmm. on, a, on a very important podcast. Yes. <laughs> Can I say that- One of the top Lutheran podcasts in Albania. <laughs> If I can, I also say that preaching good works is detrimental to faith. Absolutely. If I imply that the good works are the cause of the salvation, mm-hmm. right? So if I imply that um, you need to do good works, just think of the whole story of Galatians, and somehow that's a part of the package of salvation, mm-hmm. right? As not as a result of it, but the the cause and the way we use the word cause, the cause of salvation, then this is terrible. And Luther in Heidelberg is, is saying, you know, he's, he's playing with the venial mortal sin uh, comparison. A mortal sin is a deadly sin, the one that kills you to death, the one that is going to get you a punishment of eternal damnation. A venial sin is one that's inconsequential, it can be forgiven. And uh, the line between the two changes <laughs> from year to year and person to person. So we won't get into that. But what Luther is saying is, even if you have a good work, I help a little lady across the street. Did you really? That's nice of you. Uh, but if I did that, not 
if I did that for my own benefit to look good before God, or even if I did that without fear of punishment because it was imperfect. So I, maybe think of three things. One is I did that good work and I go, God, see, you need to bless me. Mm-hmm. The other side of the spectrum is anything that I give to God, even this outwardly good work is damnable because it's just never going to be good enough. I fear God's, I fear God's wrath in a, in a, in a, in the correct way. And the middle ground may be, I just did this good work and certainly God would not punish me. I'm doing my best. I'm not saying, you know, God should reward me. I'm just saying this was a good thing. Luther's going to say, even those two categories without the fear of God is a mortal sin. Why? Because it has no faith. It has no trust. It's trusting. In the end, it's going to be trusting in yourself and your works. Even if you're kind of like, oh, I'm kind of good. Right. So, so the, the commandments begin with a, with with faith, with the yeah. first commandment, yeah. So if I am preaching or even implying that be the case, then my preaching to good works actually is detrimental to faith. So I can understand the other side as well, but there's got to be an explanation there. Certainly in preaching, I want to encourage virtue. I want to say, um, here is God using you in your vocation, but that is about it. And even there, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm, I'm implying law or better yet. I don't know how the person is always thinking about it. Right. And this is a very difficult thing for preachers. Right. I mean it, you know, or, or just pastoral care. Right. Or as a teacher, like you need to do your homework. You need to do, turn this paper in. Right. These things are necessary. These things are necessary. However, in a two kingdoms way. Yeah. So where are you in two two kingdoms? How much do you bring into your Bible class? You're preaching your pastoral counseling. It's actually a very difficult situation. So while you can understand both things correctly, there's nuance there and you have to, you have to give some explanation. Yeah. I apologize for shaking my head while you were talking. It wasn't related to anything you said. Uh, the Tigers had bases loaded, one out. Mm-hmm. What, and mm-hmm. so they still, now there's two outs, bases Brutal. loaded. Brutal. Um, with Miggy up, but but what can you not do in that situation? Well, either strike out or... No, you can't. You got to put yeah, the bat on the yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah. What, are we, what are we doing watching pitches, Michael? Well, this is the new baseball, strikeouts or home runs, that I don't like. Yeah. Just yeah. make contact. It'll swing back. It'll Contact swing back. is necessary for salvation. Yes. Um, Contact is necessary for the sal- the salvation of the major league game in America so that it does not die with all of the baby boomers. Yeah. Bring back contact hitters. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like a a three twenty single king. Yeah. He he's gonna he's gonna hit single after single. Put a bunt down sometimes. And while we're at it, how about a point guard that is pass first? Yep, yep. John Stockton, baby. How about how about uh, um, a hockey center who is pass first and seen three passes ahead instead of a big bruiser who just sits in front yep. of the net? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm sorry for getting us topic, off topic, but um, the uh, this this teaching is not going to gain a lot of traction. Um, Major's going to kind of play it off. He's really going to. Vinberg likes to blame. Uh, flacious for stuff. He's really going to play it off as like flacious is just looking to cause trouble, blow this up, whatever. Even though flacious wasn't one of the first to write against him, 
Um, although Flacius and Gallus do write a, a fair amount against him. Um, and uh, But it's, it's never going to gain lasting traction. That being said, I think it's... Um, it's always kind of there under the surface uh, in a parish, in a school, as you said, Michael. The, um, the temptation uh, to um, conflate one way or another, so to either to conflate works with salvation or the um, temptation to downplay works in the Christian life. And I think... Uh, <clears throat> What is helpful then to keep in mind, and you you mentioned Paul, is right that Romans has Romans six, Romans twelve, Galatians has Galatians five, Ephesians has Ephesians five, Colossians has Colossians three. Um, that Paul will spend time in all these letters making absolutely clear that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. He'll say it eighteen different ways, um, but then he will get to. Um, usually he puts it in terms of the Spirit working or doing these things. Um, Romans 8, I guess, also would fall in there. Um, that God is at work with, through us. Um, and these are often things, if I can steal your word, Michael, vocationally is how he often will speak of these things. Um, and so we'll see this controversy um, that will be settled. Um, but I guess the, the big thing to remember is that this breaks out within a handful of years of Luther's death. Um most people would say, if you ask people who know a little bit about the Reformation, what's it about? They would say we're saved, that Luther says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. And so it's important to remember that someone who was a faculty member at Wittenberg, who is picking up on this from Luther's most cherished colleague, uh, within a handful of years after Luther's death, is going to introduce this formula, which uh, can be can be very um, misleading. Um, so we don't want to forget. I don't know what happened because it still says Miggy's batting, but Tigers just scored two runs, tied 3-3. Um, Are you not watching the game live? Are you only watching No, I thought that would be distracting. I, I'm just following on the um, on the uh, game cast okay. thing. Okay. Because I'm about this podcast. Yeah. Um, that uh, the importance of understanding categories when we're dealing with things. So it's the for, for salvation that makes this a problem. The same as we can have the flip side problem um, of we can uh, sometimes break up the Christian life in an unhealthy way. I, I think we do that sometimes, by the way, with justification, sanctification talk. Um, or um, we fail, failure to, when we try to pull saint and sinner apart a little bit too much in us this side of the grave, right? Mm -hmm. um, so to, to treat things that fit together together, um, but to treat them categorically or terminologically well, um, this is a challenge for the preacher. This is a challenge for a parent, mm -hmm. Christian parent in their home with their kid. You don't love your kid because of that they do good, but you do sure hope your kid will also do good, and you're raising them, right, to, mm -hmm. to try to... Um, so I think uh, something for the church to remember from age to age, but not something easy to navigate. Um, I guess I'll stop there, Mike, and I'll leave well, it to you. Do you, Any do you have any insight on, like, you know, where does 
shoehorning some stuff into Aristotelian categories in this particular instant is you kind of hinted at that. Is there something that some kind of insight there that you have? No, I think, I think the biggest insight I would have, um, would be, this is why it was not wise to bring Aristotle into these things. Um, and, and this is, right, it's going to be Melanchthon who kind of brings him back. And this will feed into Lutheran scholasticism, which has its purposes, but you know, Michael, it's not my jam. Mm -hmm. um, and really, the Flatian controversy doesn't happen without these Aristotelian categories being brought in either. Um, well, explain that a little bit more, just so our readers, can, our listeners can kind of um, understand. When you have the debate about free will, <laughs> Flacius is right, and um, he's going to be facing an opponent um, who basically says um, original sin, um, and this is flowing out of debates about free will, that original sin in an Aristotelian way is just an accident. Mm -hmm. a an Aristotelian accident is like chalk on my sleeve, I can brush it off. It's not part of who I am. Or it's like my hair. I used to have more of it. Mm -hmm. I have less of it now. Although you I could get a haircut. You could have different eye color. That right. would be an accident. It doesn't change the essence of right. who you are. And Luther recognizes that the reason the person is using these terms um, is to, to leave some room for the will. Mm. That you're not totally dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so um, Flacius opposes this, but then his opponent, Stragel, is going to say, so are you saying it's the substance? Yeah. And... Flacius basically is going to say, if it has to be an accident or a substance, then it's the substance, because Luther himself had talked about it as vasin or essence, yeah. um, um, although Luther wasn't right. Thinking in those terms. Yeah. Um, and so, Even though maybe he should have known that he would have been read that way. Right. And so these two controversies go together because both are somewhat tied to, like when Melanchthon says the, the, the will is the third cause of salvation— this is bringing Aristotle back um, into a place where Luther, um, as early as the disputation concerning scholastic theology, so 1517, right? Isn't that the same year, I believe, as the, as the 95 Thesis that he mm -hmm. writes this? That Luther's saying there's some places Aristotle shouldn't go and just yeah. the Bible should. So I think that would be the main lesson. I could go, you know, we could go into what's formal, efficient, what's material. Yeah. Um but we would only be doing so in a way to try to show how this could be understood yeah. when I think rightly it's it's best to say, I mean, how it could maybe be understood is not completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the big takeaway is that sometimes theology does well to stay in its lane yeah. and just let the Bible's terms be the Bible's terms. I mean, so the answer to, you know, is it substance or essence is to say, that's the wrong question. Right. Those are your shoehorning categories. We see this, of course, a little bit, although I think uh, Luther didn't fully understand this, but uh, neither do I. But w when it comes to Holy Communion, essence and, and accidents, when the, the accidents of the bread and the wine are there, but the substance is, is Christ's body and blood. Do you think maybe uh, the, so this f for major, um, not that he used these terms, but is there a confusion there of good works are an accident to salvation or, you know what I mean? Or, or the substance yeah, I of think salvation. He, I think he's, um, they, they wouldn't have used those terms, I'm sure. Right. But what, I mean, what we're thinking with Aristotle is you have the material cause, which is kind of the material, the stuff something's, stuff's made, made of. of. You have the efficient cause, 
which is the what causes who made it change or whatever, right? What's putting it in action. The formal cause is what makes the thing the thing it is. And the final cause, the end goal or object, is what it's good for, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not that um, that Major is saying good works are what make us saved, mm-hmm. but good works are part of what it is in his view, right, to be one who is saved mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> as a result. Um, but probably even as I describe those things, listeners are going, well, why would you even have to distinguish mm-hmm. that? And I think that there's a place sometimes for pulling these things apart to be able to yeah. to understand them better. Um, but here, and to do it publicly, this isn't just something that was in the classroom, right? It, this this can become greatly misleading. Uh, <clears throat> the doctrine of election. So in class, we're in Romans 9 and 10, in the Romans class. Doctrine of election is hard. Mm-hmm. And it's especially hard because it's really hard to toe that line of saying what God says and nothing more. For the Lutheran position, I just had him in cl- for class the other day. We read the uh, Formula of Concord article on election. Um, that this is only for comfort, that God only uses this for comfort. This is not somehow to try to look into his secret will. And that can get hard in Romans 9 where, you know, um, we get Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Pharaoh is hardened. Now, when you look in context, this is not saying Esau's going to hell. It's saying Jacob's going to get the birthright. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even, not, it's not necessarily even saying Pharaoh's going to hell. It's saying Pharaoh is hardened vis-a-vis over against letting Moses' people go, mm-hmm. right? Um, that he acts contrary to wisdom. I mean, all these plagues have been happening. Mm-hmm. You think you get the point. <clears throat> um, and Paul is using that there to emphasize, right, um, where the, where the, the pot, not the potter. Um, and there's some things we're not given to look into. God sometimes chooses who he may. And there the point is he chose now some Gentiles for salvation. And in 10 he unpacks that, that this is, um, right, This uh, the prophets said that Israel will be stoked to jealousy when they see some who didn't even search for God now finding him, um, finding salvation. Um, and so then he's going to talk about the remnant in Romans 11. But it's really hard to read those chapters and not want to do math. Mm-hmm. If God's chosen some people to be saved, the math seems to add up. Mm-hmm. Well, he must have chosen some to be condemned. And <clears throat> so what do you need there? If you're going to try to come up with something, you're going to have to introduce philosophy or just do crude <clears throat> theological math. But the problem there is when we when we let reason get its, its nose in the door, um, Reason leads to conclusions that are contrary to Scripture because God also says in the Scriptures, Paul himself says, God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of his Son. These seem contradictory. God has chosen some for salvation. There are people called the elect. God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of his Son. Well, there we just have to hear Scripture and say, um, election's given for my comfort. Michael, when you preach the gospel to me, you're in essence telling me I'm elect. Mm -hmm. You're comforting me. Um, and so I'm going to take that for comfort, and then I'm not to go beyond that and say, why isn't Jason elect? Mm-hmm. You know, he seems like a nice guy overall. Mm-hmm. I think we both agree. He's probably not going to Round and cuddle, cuttable. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, when I try to extrapolate from that, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to use reason, and I'm going to say, well, God must have saw that I would believe. Mm-hmm. Or I resisted less. Mm-hmm. Um, 
rather than remembering that the whole argument of, that Paul's been making throughout Romans is that this that salvation only happens when you finally stop doing things, mm-hmm. right? Romans ten. Why were the why were the those Jews who did not believe? What was their problem? It was they were too zealous for righteousness, but without knowledge, they didn't know that the law that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. And so, just as there here with good works, the temptation is to okay, let reason explain the tension. Um, how can you Lutherans say that we're saved by grace through faith alone, but then how can you also, one of Luther's earliest works would be a treatise on good works. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, Luther's talking about, oh, Christians will spontaneously be doing these works and whatever. Um, how can this be? Well, now we let Aristotle in and we've got trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you agree? Yeah, sure, like causes. And, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, maybe one word on Aristotle, and we can we can end it. We didn't intend to talk on Aristotle, but you know it's one of those things that, again, the problem is shoehorning stuff into categories. Um, yeah. And to be fair, Aristotle the, never asked to be involved in no, Christian theology. Yeah, you know, and um, where they don't belong, right? And and you you can imagine putting a, you're putting square pegs into round holes. Now there's the danger of throwing Aristotle out completely from the academy which does happen on right. occasion and then you lose what you lose is teleology you and you lose do final want, cause if you do want aristotle in the courtroom yep. you do want aristotle um you know uh, um, your day-to-day life yeah at the zoo where we have, yeah doing your civil infrastructure like yeah. there's all kinds of places you do want aristotle yeah. to reason and i would say at you know in Again, we, we've said this before. At the same time in the academy, you're you're about ready. This, what we would now call scientists, so like natural philosophers, hard hard scientists, biologists, phys- are ready to heave ho Aristotle for good reasons too. Although I think it's often once again a misuse of Aristotle. And when you throw out the baby with the bathwater, you do throw out the idea of purpose, design, and stuff like that. And so often uh, people will will have a worldview of randomness and chance, but they speak of it as design, mm-hmm. right? And maybe if they had a little bit more logic and a little bit more Aristotle in their education, they wouldn't be so easy to throw out the why question, the purpose question, the design question, <laughs> which is the fourth cause, the final cause. Okay. I think we have... Guess what uh, the Tigers did. Did they score? Um, they tied it, but then Soto... Uh as he's wanted to do, give up a home run. Mm-hmm, yeah. So they're down 4-3, top of the ninth. Who are they playing? Uh, the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Also, Tough team. Um, I happen to check Twitter because sometimes the Tigers show like what happened. And you're, uh, you're not on Twitter at all, mm-hmm. huh? I am not. Um, there's this Associate Dean's account, which is like a um, parody account about academia. Yeah. And so the associate dean, she has a uh, a tweet today of, we need all departments to prepare for a 5% across-the-board budget cut. The college's cost savings measure ended up costing the college $2.3 <laughs> none of which was accounted for in our annual budget. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, Christians that are listening, you're going to do good works. Um and uh, God's going to do them through you. Um, you are saved by grace through faith, 
um, not by works, but you are also his workmanship, which he's uh, um, created you to be, and he's prepared good works in advance for you to do. You don't have to get all bound up, all worried. You don't got to make a list. You don't got to search far and wide. God will um, will bring your neighbor to you, will give you works to do. Um, but that won't be while you're saved. Uh, you will be saved because that God who is at work through you um, was at work for you in Christ who has done all. So uh, don't get all worked up about works. Um, understand that all the commandments flow from the first, which is a uh, is about faith. And so uh, go out there, live freely, and let the bird fly.